Welcome back to Not in the Mood. I am your host, Daryl Moody. Had to take a week off. Uh, I can now say that I have been personally touched by the coronavirus pandemic, kind of. I uh, didn't come down with it myself, but I uh, did have to kind of self-quarantine for a few days and get tested, as did my children, uh, all to make sure that we uh, did not have the coronavirus. What happened was my four-year-old daughter came down with some symptoms. She had a fever and uh, was throwing up and complaining of a, of a sore throat, uh, a three symptoms consistent with coronavirus. So, you know, nowadays, if you can't uh, figure out exactly what it is, you kind of have to assume that it's coronavirus, get tested, quarantine, and then there uh, from there. So my daughter was seen by a, her pediatrician and uh, they ruled out uh, strep throat. They ruled out uh, an ear infection, different things like that, and, and determined that whatever it was that she had, it was probably a virus. So uh, the order was was given to have her coronavirus tested. My older daughter, who uh, just turned seven, she was tested as well. I was tested as uh, was their mother. So had to stay home from work for a few days and uh, wait and get tested. My Lord, that is such a hassle getting tested for the coronavirus. So uh, the first thing you got to do is call your your primary care physician and uh, have them order it for you. That is unless you want to go wait in line for three hours to go to one of the, you know, mass drive-in testing facilities. I didn't have the time or the patience to do that, so I had to try and schedule mine. So I uh, went about it a couple of different ways. Uh, you know, it seems like just about everybody's offering coronavirus testing now, but uh, some places will accept your insurance, uh, therefore making it free. Some others won't. Uh, I know that for about $200, you can get the antibody test and the coronavirus test uh, without any wait. Walk right up and get the test and uh, have it done there. But I wanted to go the free route through my insurance. So uh, what I did was I actually scheduled a test with CVS Pharmacy. You can drive through their uh, drive-up pharmacy window there and get a test done. And I scheduled that. I also uh, contacted my physician's office and had them reach out to Advent Health and uh, schedule a coronavirus test there. So uh, it took a few days to to get the call from Advent Health, and they say go to this site, go get tested. So we did that. Uh, took multiple days to to get our results. Ironically, I got tested the day after my older daughter, uh, and my results were available before hers, even though we went to the same exact Advent Health drive-through testing facility. So, you know, and I want to talk about coronavirus again because we haven't really addressed it fully in the last few weeks here on Not in the Mood. And if you listen to my first episode, I came in with a fairly hot take on the coronavirus pandemic. And I initially compared it to the flu and said it really wasn't that big of a concern. Now, obviously, here we are months out. We realize that this is much more serious than the common influenza strain that we're dealing with. Uh, it's killed thousands more people and likely will call, kill tens of thousands more. Uh, what I want to point out, though, is in these daily numbers that we are seeing here in Florida, tens of thousands of people every week are, are being diagnosed with coronavirus. What I have found noteworthy from these numbers is that both the hospitalization rate of Florida's coronavirus cases and the fatality rate of Florida's coronavirus cases have fallen. Some might say dramatically. Uh, at one point, I think I saw the hospitalization rate of coronavirus cases as high as 13.8%. Today, that number has fallen to less than 8%. That's a pretty significant drop from about 14% to 8%. Still no laughing matter. 8% of the folks who get sick with coronavirus in Florida end up needing to be hospitalized. That's nothing to scoff at. 
Uh, the death rate, though, has also fallen pretty sharply. I, I think the highest I saw it in April was 3%. Today, it's down to 1.68%. That's a pretty uh, pretty strong improvement. We'll take that. Uh, and the reason I'm pointing this out is that there is new research that indicates that the COVID-19 strain of coronavirus that has caused the global pandemic that we're dealing with now has mutated since arriving in the United States somewhere around February or March. And I interviewed an expert. Dr. Michael Farzan is an immunology and microbiology professor at the Scripps Research Institute in Jupiter. He and his team of researchers have determined that the COVID-19 strain is in fact mutating and becoming, according to their research, more contagious. So what exactly does that mean? The the uh, key observation is that there is a, a very strong uh, bi- biological difference between the two viruses um, that we were characterizing. One uh, that uh, is uh, similar to the virus or is proper, characteristic of the prop- virus that has been moving through China, and then one that has uh, started to dominate both in Europe and in the United States. And our data uh, is, is a biological characterization of one of the proteins of the virus that help um, uh, uh, sort of reinforce the idea that this virus is more efficient at transmitting from human to human uh, than the original virus emerging from China. And, and, and without losing me in the science, uh, how yeah. has this – I mean, I tried to paraphrase it in a story I just did, but, I mean, I don't understand what it means, the, the spike protein and all that stuff. So without sure, losing sure. me in the science, explain to me how this is more infectious. Okay. So if you think of the pictures that we see of the coronavirus, you see that gray ball and the red uh, sticks protruding from the gray ball. Those red sticks are the things that help the virus get into the next cell. And those, that stick has changed. Very, very um, small change, but makes a big difference in its ability to get into the next cell. Um, I don't know if that that was good, but <laughs> you can ask no, more no, questions. That, no, that, yeah. that yeah. was great. That was great. Um, so... How do we know how the virus mutated and how we ended up here? Well, viruses always mutate, uh, as do all all um, all living things. Uh, they mutate at some rate, and of course, they mutate so that they can uh, propagate better. And this virus is no different. So, when the the virus moved from its bat host to humans. It um, started to learn how best to move from humans to humans, and to do so, this is one of the changes that it made um, to increase its ability to move better from humans to humans. So, does this uh, does this change the path toward a vaccine? Does it make it easier? Does it make it harder? Do they have to start over again? No, in general, not. It tells us some things about the properties of the vaccines that are being used, and they may suggest some changes in the future. 
But as a general principle, it doesn't mean that the vaccines will be less effective now. So while we hear the term mutate and it kind of, you know, has a scary connotation to it, what you're saying is this really isn't that uncommon. No, all viruses mutate and certainly all uh, what we call RNA viruses mutate very quickly. Coronaviruses like this virus tend to mutate a little bit more slowly than other viruses. But, of course, when a mutation emerges that uh, increases its ability to propagate, uh, that mutation will stay. And that's what has happened here. Uh, But as far as we know, it hasn't made the virus more dangerous, and it hasn't um, uh, undercut our ability to generate a vaccine. And as far as that's concerned, I mean, are we still, uh, Dr. Fauci was, was uh, testifying before Congress this week saying mm-hmm. that we could have one by the end of the year. Uh, I mean, I know this isn't necessarily the angle of your research, but does that seem... Well, to- it's exactly, it is exactly the angle of my research, actually. We, uh, we uh, develop, um, uh, so there's sort of three parts to a vaccine, and we're experts in one of those parts. So uh, the, the three parts to the vaccine is... Uh, the the piece of the protein that you the piece of the virus that you deliver, the means by which you deliver it, and then the means by which you tell the immune system that this is something to pay attention to, and we're experts in the piece of the protein that you deliver. So we do know a good deal about vaccines. So Dr. Fauci is optimistic as am I about um, the rapidity by, by which a useful vaccine will emerge. Uh, and I think he would acknowledge, as would most people in the field, would acknowledge that that won't be the best vaccine, but it will be good enough to be very helpful to uh, controlling the pandemic. Okay, so if you are to believe Dr. Farzan's research that the coronavirus strain that we are dealing with right now is in fact mutating and becoming more contagious, is it not possible that that strain while becoming more contagious, has become less severe. I think when you look at the falling fatality rate and you look at the falling hospitalization rate, I think you could make a correlation there. Again, I'm not a scientist, not a biologist, not a researcher. All of this stuff is way over my head. So where does this leave us moving forward? We shut down the economy at one point between March and May, Uh, causing perhaps irreparable damage to the U.S. economy, wiping out the fortunes of millions of Americans, leaving millions more unemployed, leaving business owners with no livelihood. I mean, we've essentially wrecked the U.S. economy all in the name of flattening the curve. And I'm wondering at this point, with tens of thousands more cases being added every day, Did we, in fact, flatten the curve, or did we just delay it? And if we delay it, do we delay it again? Because here we are getting toward late summer, and the question is, will the schools reopen? Can I take my kids back to school? What does that look like? So right now, you've got school districts all over the country trying to determine their plans for following the CDC guidelines, keeping the kids safe while they're on campus, offering families an option to continue to learn virtually 
online classes, that sort of thing. And you've got school districts who are not necessarily caught flat-footed, but, you know, they're trying to come up with their plans. And I just, you know, and, and, and as we're dealing with all of these new cases of coronavirus, there are growing calls in the background saying, hey, we need to shut the economy back down. We need to, you know, issue stay-at-home orders. We need to lock down. I'm not sure if that's really going to help anything because we tried that back in March. Remember all that flatten the curve talk? We've got to flatten the curve. The hospitals are going to be overwhelmed. We can't overwhelm the health system. We've got to shut everything down to allow the care providers to develop and build in the infrastructure to deal with the influx of coronavirus patients that we are going to see and ultimately now are seeing. My question is, how much worse is it going to get? Now, in terms of the number of cases, I think we can all agree that more cases is not the same thing as more fatalities. An increase in cases is not the same thing as an increase in the fatality rate. So just looking at the numbers, again, not an expert, not a biologist, not a doctor, but I can do simple math. And when you look at a fatality rate of about 3% six or eight weeks ago, and now we're looking at a fatality rate closer to 1.7%, I would say that's an improvement. Now, of course, young people are driving these new numbers of cases and, you know, there is a school of thought that young people are not taking the necessary precautions and that's fine and good. I don't disagree with that. But what I would say is that for the first time in all of this, we are now protecting the most vulnerable citizens in our society, the senior citizens, the people with compromised immune systems. Those people are still quarantining in place at home and then they should be. But for the rest of us, we cannot spend our lives hiding in our homes, waiting for this virus to go away. All of the experts say the only way that we get through and to the other side of this coronavirus pandemic is by achieving herd immunity. And there are only two ways that you can achieve herd immunity. Either one, you develop a vaccine and you vaccinate everybody in your population, or enough people catch the virus and recover from the virus and share the virus with other people that we, you know, eventually enough people build up the antibodies and therefore the immunity to the virus that the virus kind of just runs its course and, and you don't have this consistent increase of new cases. I'd like to think that we'll get there, but I just don't know. My only concern at this point is I think people are looking at these new numbers, and yes, they are scary. You talk about 11,000 new coronavirus cases in a day, that's scary. But how many of those people are ending up in the hospital? A handful. How many of those people are dying? An even smaller handful. And I just honestly, at this point, I don't think that we can continue to shut the economy down for everybody to shelter in place and just hope this thing goes away. I mean, think back to our first episode. We're still talking about a coronavirus, something that can, in fact, and was confirmed by the EPA this week, can be killed by a can of spray Lysol. That's going to kill the coronavirus. So I'm going to go back to what I said initially. We all need to be doing our due diligence. Be careful when you're out and about. Stay six feet away from each other. I know I hate wearing the mask, but I wear it anyway because it's better safe than sorry. Wear the mask, socially distance, but we can't shelter in place forever. We're not going to have a country to return to if we continue to shelter in place. So the challenge is how do we, you know, get back to quote unquote normal while still protecting the vulnerable. And I think the only way we're going to find that out is to just get back out there and live our lives and be more careful. 
Hopefully, we'll do that. And in a few months, we'll talk about coronavirus in the past tense.